So like in my area, we're 80%. Yeah. So eight out of 10 of our neighbors are members of the, of the LDS church. They're Mormon. Wow. Um, so and our eight area, out of 10 of people that live yeah. around you. And that's even less than a lot of areas because we have a large military base. So we have a lot of people from outside. We have a few factories and industries and, and a, a large immigrant population in Ogden. Um, but in the southern part of the Salt Lake Valley, near Provo, where BYU is located, I mean, you're talking 90, 95%. And in some small communities around Utah, it you might, if you're not a member of the of the Mormon Church, you might be the only one. Your family might be the only one in town. back to Conversations with the Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey and I am a Calvinist. And today I am excited and honored to join with me Kenny Montoya. Montoyo. Montano. Montano. I knew it. I was going to, I knew it. You were so close. I knew it. But I'm, I'm very honored to have Kenny with me today. He is a board member for the Fellowship of Independent Reformed Evangelicals. And currently we are at the 2023 FIRE International Fellowship. And he, uh, we just finished our board meeting, which is one of the things that happens at the international conference. And I saw him up on the board. He was doing a great job. He, and I'm thankful that he's one of our leaders. So thank you, Kenny, for, for doing that for us and uh, for keeping, the, keeping this group going. Yeah, well, I'm one of the newer members, so I don't have much uh, claim to that, but I'll try not to destroy it. That's Well, you're, you're the tip of the spear in the next generation, right? Go. Like the there one guy go. talked about Paul and Timothy, and Timothy was yeah. the tip of the spear. You're, yeah. you're that guy. You're the tip <laughs> of the spear. But you and I had a great conversation, and we were talking about your ministry, and I said, boy, this is something I wanted to share with my audience, because your ministry is a Reformed Baptist church in the great state of Utah, mm-hmm. which means you are surrounded by... By members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's right. That's as right. They, as they prefer to be called. And we try to respect th- that as much as we can. But a lot of people know them as Mormons or LDS. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Utah is 56% uh, members of the yeah, LDS the, Church. You, you mentioned this in your report. I was yeah. going to ask you. You said the average state is this percent, but you guys are this percent. And I remember just being yeah. boggled by that. Well, I use Mississippi since that's where we're having the conference this year as an example. Mississippi is... You know, is about seventy nine percent what we would say Christian. That is, that includes, and, and that's in like national statistics. So that includes actually Mormons because they're considered a Christian religion. Um, but only about one percent here in in Mississippi, and so it's about 40, 40 I think it was forty six percent or something like that evangelical, uh, and then another 25 five percent mainline Protestant. And then here in Mississippi, there's a lot of uh, historically black uh, churches and denominations. That makes up another 20-some percent. So that's most of them. Um, but, but in that, even within that 40% that are evangelicals, of course, that's broken down into a ton of different denominations, different yeah. Baptists, different types of Presbyterians and Methodists and, and different groups. Where in Utah, we're 50%, 56% members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that's one that's one church, right? They meet in small buildings across the state, but they have one leadership. I mean, it's it's an episcopacy, much like uh, the Roman Catholic Church, um, where the the president of the church is an elder statesman of the church, and he's considered the prophet of the church. Yeah. Who, um, who is that currently? It's a guy named uh, Russell Nelson. Okay. Um, and so he's and he's you know he's an older guy, so he 
won't be with us probably for another only a couple of years, but he's in his 90s, I think. Oh, wow. Um, it's because it's, uh, typically it's longest serving member. So just briefly how they're, they're structured, you have the prophet who's the president. He has two counselors. That call, it's called the first presidency. And they're part of a group called the Quorum of the Twelve. And they're basing that off of the Twelve Disciples. So there's 12 men, and they're the senior. And you get promoted to that 12 if you're, when they're vacancy by death, typically. Um, could be by excommunication, but that doesn't hardly ever happen. Usually by death, somebody from the next group, which is the, the Quorum of the Seventy. So there's 70 uh, members of that. And whoever's the senior member, who's the longest serving, not the oldest, but the longest serving member, of the 70 becomes part of the Quorum of the 12, unless technically it can be for some other reason, but that's always what happens. And then sure. they would, then the president will appoint somebody new to the, the 70. And the president gets selected as the senior member of the 12. So it's wow. always going to be a, a relatively older uh, guy. And uh, it's him right now, Russell Nelson. That's interesting. And that leads me to sort of what made me want to talk to you, I mean, yeah. other than the fact that you and I are eventually going to do a podcast about movies sure. and comedy, <laughs> or comedy because we found out that's something we share yeah. uh, a joy over. But um, you mentioned living among Mormons in, in, in a state that's 56%. Yeah, and a lot of that is, is, is brought closer to that 50% mark by those in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is a, you know, a large city and is under 50%. Uh, LDS, yeah. um, and it's the probably the only city in the state that is that. So, like in my area, we're eighty yeah. percent. So, eight out of ten of our neighbors are members of the of the LDS Church. They're Mormon. Wow. Um, so and our eight area, out of ten of people that live yeah. around you. And that's even less than a lot of areas because we have a large military base. So we have a lot of people from outside. We have a few factories and industries, and and a, a large immigrant population in Ogden. Um, but in the southern part of the Salt Lake Valley, near Provo, where BYU is located, I mean, you're talking 90, 95%. And in some small communities around Utah, it, you might, if you're not a member of the, of the Mormon church, you might be the only one. Your family might be the only one in town, or only, at least the only one you work with or that you really know wow. who may not be. So it can be nearly 100% in some small communities. Well, I, as we were talking earlier, and I began to sort of just hear what you were saying about living among them, you, mm -hmm. you said something, and I don't want to misquote you, so I want to say, yeah. and you, you can fix what I say. Uh, you said, you know, there, that you, you learn a lot of, of the, the peculiarities, maybe that's not the word used, mm -hmm. but of living among Mormons, you, you learn things that you might not, if you, like us, we rarely see Mormons. The only, only guys we see are the guys on the 10 speeds. You know? Yeah, and, missionaries. And, yeah, yeah, missionaries are going house to house. Yeah. One time I was in a thrift store, and I remember seeing, like, there was four of them buying stuff from the thrift store, and yeah. I, like, approached them. I was like, hey, I want you to come on my podcast. I want to talk about, like, talk yeah. to you about Jesus, you know. Like, 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 I, like I, I wanted to meet them because mm -hmm. I don't have, outside of that, I don't have a lot of interaction. What are some of the things that you, having lived in it, you know, that, you, that you've learned that might be helpful for people to know. Yeah, and, and there's also, we always have to remember that there is, there's, we, we sort of say there's Mormonism inside of Utah and then Mormonism outside of Utah. Oh, okay. Because when you're inside of Utah, it is the culture. They dominate the culture. They dominate politics. They dominate, you know, because they're such a majority of the population. And so the school boards, the, the again, politics, both on Republican and Democratic side, almost most of your elected representatives are, are members of the church. Um, uh, other is that than, what they call it? They say members of the church? Yeah. They, yeah. When, that, you, when they, you would move into the neighborhood, you might have a neighbor come up and say, are you a member of the church? And they don't mean any church. They mean the, the, church. the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, yeah. headquartered in Salt Lake City by Prophet Russell M. Nelson. Um, wow. that's, that's what they mean. Um, and so 
there's a lot of cultural Mormonism. Being a Mormon in Utah is like being Baptist in Atlanta, right? It, 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 so there is a lot of cultural Mormon, people that would consider themselves Mormons, but maybe rarely, rarely go to go to church. So yeah. there is that, but there's still a good, you know, you know, probably if there's eight out of 10 of my neighbors who are LDS, there's probably six out of 10 who attend weekly wow. or at least semi-week, semi-regularly. Yeah. And so, so it is a cultural, so, and, and Mormons outside of Utah, though, are going to be, they're going to be religiously Mormon, but not as culturally Mormon because they're in, they work at jobs with a lot of non-LDS members and, and, and maybe they, some of those peculiarities are downplayed because they're living amongst everyone else, right? Yeah. Uh, amongst Gentiles, as they would consider, you know, the rest of us. And, um, is that, is that really the yeah, language yeah, they use? Yeah, really? We're the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, they consider themselves to be the reformation of the basically the Jewish nation sort of that had come into America, and because they believe Jesus Christ visited America post resurrection, mm -hmm. and um, you know there was a great civilization and societies here that came over on a sort of Noah's Ark type of thing before the coming of Christ, um, and were guided here, and there were great battles and wars and all these things, um, and that's all within the Book of Mormon, the, right? The, yeah, the, the, the uh, uh, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the Book of Mormon details uh, is sort of their their Bible, if you were. Mm -hmm. And Joseph Smith, it appears he cobbled it a lot of together from stories from the Bible and other things that he kind of, you know, reframed and 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 you know, you know, we would believe invented stories uh, sure. uh, in that yeah. way. Um, and then they have the Doctrine and Covenants, which is sort of like their theology book, mm -hmm. and then the Pearl of Great Price, which is another book of wisdom. Yeah. And that makes up the, the trilogy of their, their main scriptures outside of the, the Bible. Now, their culture, and you mentioned their culture, mm -hmm. their, their culture seems to me to be based on a, a, a sort of a rigid uh, uh, conservatism. Like, sure. would, would that be a, a wrong way of saying it? Or maybe rigid is the wrong word? No, it's pretty rigid. I mean, they center around family. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's sort of the hallmark of Mormonism. That's often how they attract people, how mm -hmm. they attract members, how they attract converts would be to emphasize family and togetherness and helping one another out. And to be fair to them, um, they are, there are some things in that that they do very well as a, as a, as a faith and as a, as a community. Um, so they emphasize family values, but of course that's because they believe in eternal families. They believe that you're eternally married, um, that you will progress in the eternal, through the, through the kingdoms, through the celestial kingdoms together and they're sealed together in the temple. So there's reasons behind it, but they are very close and they're welcoming. And if you if you were to join them, you would be welcomed in with open arms, um, very community oriented. And um, but because of all of but because of that as well, there is a great pressure upon Mormon families to look a certain way, to have a certain type of attitude. But I mean, we can relate to this in any of our churches. It's often easy to say. Boy, I wish we had the perfect marriage like that couple that sits across the aisle from mm -hmm. us. When we don't really know the struggles that are going on in their marriage, right? Yeah. We don't. We, we're like, oh, I want to have. I want to be like that guy. Well, you don't. You don't see the depression or the anger, or maybe that that he struggles with at home. Um, and so that can be true of anybody, but it's especially true in LDS society where there is real external pressure, especially upon wives and children, to conform to a particular idea of what their family ought to look like because it, it might affect a husband's ability to be promoted within the church, to become a teacher in a certain level, to become a bishop, to be elevated in certain levels, but that also has eternal consequences in their theology. That he might not get a certain priesthood endowment. He might not 
uh, in the afterlife. He might not be promoted to the celestial kingdom oh, and wow. eventually, you know, become uh, essentially a god of his own planet one day, which is the ultimate goal of Mormonism. Yeah, and, and, and people here, like I, because I've, I've talked about that a little bit, uh, you know, I certainly don't know as much as you do, but um, as far as their eternal eternal regression of the gods, and the gods are, you know, yeah. that, that we, those who adhere to Mormon teaching will become God. Our God was once a man. Who, yeah. Mm -hmm. These are all things that are that, that that all Mormons understand, or are these things that are really under only understood by the upper echelon, and the others are sort of. If they're paying attention, okay, these are things they should know. Yeah, but that's not to say that every more every every LDS believer is going to claim those things. I've talked to a lot of uh, you know LDS friends and neighbors and things, and they'll say, "Yeah, there's some weird stuff in there, in there," and so I don't know how much of the the kind of more odd teachings that the everyday, uh, you know, Mormon is gonna is gonna believe because often when you talk with them, if you can, if you confront them with these things, they will downplay them or not talk about them with you. Mm -hmm. They want to talk about the things that are that they feel are the most similar and that make them seem like just another Christian church, um, but that has a little more teaching. But you really, it's the type of thing. It's almost gnostic in that way where they're not going to want to. That's secret knowledge you get once you're in. But we're not going to really talk about that with outsiders. We're not going to talk about that, and 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 we're going to downplay the historical significance of plural marriage and and um, some of the things that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and, and those that did in the in their in their in their past history. Yeah, I remember once my wife and I actually uh, I did a, a a class at a Mormon church on self defense. I teach self defense classes, uh -huh. and they had hired me to come in and teach a class. It was very kind of a long time ago that I did this, but one of the ladies had taken my wife on a tour while mm -hmm. I was doing the, it was in like a gymnasium. I was doing a self-defense yeah. class and then my wife was going on a tour and the lady was very much trying to convince her that we're just like you. Yeah. We're very, we're Christians. You're a Christian. We're the same. And my wife was sort of, well, really not. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, the only other thing I remember from that particular instance was the picture. There was a mural at some point, cause I saw inside yeah. the building too, that it was a mural of what looked like two Jesuses. Mm -hmm. And I guess that was their view of the Father and Christ, and it was could have been. It was a but, but it was sort yeah. of a blonde-haired, blue-eyed character. But it was two of them, yeah. and there was a mirror image of the two. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know if you've ever seen that picture or not. Not that particular one, but but very well could have been. That's exactly what it was picturing. Yeah. Um, they they usually will have a mural of Jesus. Most uh, in in most uh, LDS families' homes, there'll be a there'll be a, some sort of a picture or painting of, sort of like Jesus. an Obi Wan Kenobi style on the wall. Yeah, yeah. often <laughs> they'll also have a picture of the temple, and they'll have a picture of the president of the church, whoever the current prophet is, will be on the wall too. Oh wow! Sort of the way that if you go into like a courthouse or a municipal building, there'll be a president. You know, right now there'll be a, a picture of President Biden or something up. You know, whoever sitting president is gets goes on the wall. Kind of what happens a lot of times with the sitting president or the prophet of the church. Well, I know one question that I'm sure many people in the audience mm -hmm. would have for you, and, and, and I, I, I think this is a, a legitimate question when it comes to we as, we as Reformed believers, mm -hmm. Christians, um, we would say that Mormonism is not a legitimate denomination. Mm -hmm. So therefore, for us, Mormons should be a mission field that mm -hmm. we should be seeking out. And you who live in the midst of the mission field, what has, what has been a way that you have seen the most success and, and reaching your your Mormon friends 
around you with the gospel? What, what, yeah. what, what's, what has, and, when I, and I don't want to be pragmatist. Sure. But when I say what, what has worked, yeah. <laughs> obviously the gospel What works. has God used? What has God used? People? Yeah, that, that much better way. Yeah, and, 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 and let's be clear, you know, as much love and uh, friendship as I can have with some of my Mormon friends and, and neighbors, um, yeah, the Mormon church teaches a false gospel. It's based mm-hmm. upon, and not only is it works righteousness, it's faith, faith plus works. You know, there's a, there's a verse in Second uh, Nephi that says we are saved by grace after all we can do. Yes. After all we can do. So right there, that's antithetical to biblical Orthodox Christianity, right? Amen. Not only that, but they have a different conception of Jesus. They have a Jesus who is uh, one of many sons, brother of Lucifer, um, and who was chosen in a heavenly council before the creation of the world to be the Savior. He is not co-equal with God the Father. They are not members of the divine trinity with the Holy Spirit. Um, and yeah, so at the very heart of even who Jesus is and the nature by which we're saved, they teach you know uh, a false gospel. Amen. And so we cannot have true fellowship with them, even if even even in so that we love them and we care for them, we see them as a mission field, we see them as lost. And I do, I do tell people that, yes, they are a mission field. We need to be witnessing and sharing our faith with them. Um, and you, if you want to reach out to them, it's helpful to know something about Mormonism. It's helpful. Don't get into the esoteric discussions about plural marriage and, and polygamy and, um, you know, having planets and some of yeah. the weirder stuff. Don't that, mention it, Kolob. It, yeah, don't <laughs> mention the Kolob, which is where God supposedly came from. All that stuff will be unhelpful in those discussions. I, I, we encourage our, our members of our church to, to focus in on two things. One, know the gospel really well. You know, yes. it's always, you know, you, the useful illustration is of secret service or treasury, you know, secret service agents who are looking at counterfeiters, right? You don't have, you don't study, they do study counterfeit techniques, but they don't study primarily to know every technique out there because there's new techniques being invented all the time. They study what a real dollar bill looks like. What does a real hundred dollar bill looks like? What, what are the, um, uh, the marks of authenticity. And when you know that, then you can spot a counterfeit. And so know the gospel well. Know how God saves. Know the, the story of Jesus Christ. Know his death and resurrection. Know what justification by faith alone, through grace alone, and Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. What, what does that mean, you know, Amen. based upon scripture alone? Um, you know, know that stuff well. And then whenever you discuss, try to lead, try to steer conversations back to the gospel whenever you can. Yeah. Because we don't believe in the power that, it's not the power of my persuasion that will, be, will bring somebody to faith. It will ultimately be the power of the gospel is, you know, the gospel, the word of God is the power unto salvation. That's what God will use. And I think the more we talk about with as much clarity as we can what we believe that the Bible teaches and point them to verses in the Bible that teach you know, a clear account of the gospel, you know, we pray that the Holy Spirit then do the work of showing and revealing that the contradiction between what the Bible says and what they are being told that that means and that the Holy Spirit would use that to draw people to Christ. And he does. It happens. Um, and the, uh, the other little tip, I guess, would be when you're having those conversations to poke, to, to poke at and focus on the, the pressure points of Mormonism, which are this need for perfectionism, the, 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 the fear of not being found worthy. Hmm. You know? And in that way, it's no different than Islam. It's no different than a lot of works-based religions, that there's this fear that I'm going to get to the afterlife, and God is going to find me unworthy of heaven, wow. of eternity. Yeah. And 
Boy, we have an antidote to that, and especially in the Reformed faith, to say we have the absolute free sovereign grace of God that's available to those who would believe, to those who would trust in Christ, um, that, uh, that is not based on works, that is not based on anything we would do, but is based upon not our merit, but the merit of Jesus Christ alone, who did all that we could not do in order to save us. And he, he suffered and died. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. And, and our role, simply, you know, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Amen. We bring nothing but the need of salvation through our own uh, sin in Adam and our own sin that we add to the to the whole thing ourselves and Christ is the the new and better Adam and then you can get into things like he's our great high priest you know we don't need earthly temples because he's building a temple made without hands we don't need earthly priesthood because we have the the final prophet priest and king we don't need a prophet sitting in Salt Lake City we have the final prophet Amen. Um, and we have a king and and therefore in Christ we have all that we need for salvation and the pressure is off not that we aren't called to live holy lives, not that we aren't called to strive to win the prize, not that we aren't called to persevere in faith, but all this is under the banner of the sovereignty of God. It's under the banner of uh, telestai, right? It is finished. I've done it for you. Amen. Amen. Well, as we close, I'd like for you to share with us your church information as much as you uh, feel yeah. comfortable with. And uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you, if anybody is curious or wants to know more, uh, a way for people to get in contact with you. Yeah, so our church is Roy Bible Church in Roy, Utah. That's R-O-Y, just like the guy's name. Yeah. I think it was named after somebody who, <laughs> Some, I think it was a farmer's son who got killed like a long time ago. And oh, okay. So it's called Roy Bible Church. So think of Roy, R-O-Y, Bible Church. And our website is RoyBibleChurch.org, mm-hmm. and uh, you can email us, email at RoyBibleChurch.org. Uh, if you have questions, uh, if we can serve you in any way, we're happy to do so. Awesome. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Keith. And thank you guys for being a part of Conversations with a Calvinist today. This was a shorter episode. I'm, I'm doing some videos here at the 2023 FIRE Conference. Uh, and again, thank you for being a part of Conversations with a Calvinist. I want to again remind you, if you would like to follow me, you can do so on Twitter, at your Calvinist, or if you want to find our older videos, you can go to calvinistpodcast.com. Thank you again for listening to Conversations with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey, and I've been your Calvinist. May God bless you. 